Don't frazzle my It's the Woodworking Morning Show. Morning, everyone. Good morning. It's the morning show. <laughs> Is that what we're we're just gonna? Shorten? We're, I want to shorten it as much as possible. <laughs> it's too, the show. Too many, yeah. <laughs> just show. Show. <laughs> yeah. Good morning, everybody. I'm Mark, and I'm Nicole. And today we're gonna talk a little bit about woodworking things. We have some stuff to show you, some questions to answer, tons mm-hmm. of questions as always from the chat room. It's just on fire. I'm um, feeling dizzy today. Are my you? Little, I'm getting some vertigo. My, my tum, my little, my ear, my tum tum was off. This your morning, tum-tum. a little bit. I think it took too long to eat breakfast. My ear crystals are moving. Oh, your ear balls. Yeah. Yeah, you got to massage those ear balls. Get them in the right spot. <laughs> it's it's not fun. If anybody has to experience that, they know inner it's ear, no fun. Inner ear sort of things. Oof. Okay, so listen up. We want to thank some people who helped us out on Patreon. I didn't screenshot their names. One of them was Landon. Mm-hmm. One of them was someone else. Mike. Mike. Donaldson. Yeah. Three people. I, I I totally forgot. So maybe maybe I maybe out. I have it up. Andrew, Dennis, go. Landon Brown, and Mike Donaldson. Well, thank you. And so then much. also we all have the new YouTube memberships, uh-huh. which doesn't give us any real good way to do to, like, this. Isolate new people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They better figure that out because that's kind of important. Yeah, but thank you uh, to everyone on YouTube that yeah. is part of the memberships program. Yep. We're, we're planning to do some interesting stuff with that. I think we might. Play around with some after show stuff. what the stuff. future holds. Yeah. Behind the scenes. I'm thinking about doing like impromptu tool reviews, mm-hmm. things like that for members. It'll be fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, and also, of course, Patreon is always there. Patreon.com slash Whisper if you want to help out there. Uh, you know what? We've got some giveaways to do today. Ooh. Nicole, it's a giveaway show, Ooh. which is why I have this. I have this. Oh, my God. Because it's a giveaway show. <laughs> That's, that's, I'm just trying to generate excitement. That's terrible. <clears throat> Is it working? No. <laughs> okay. So I've got You're making two, me dizzier. <laughs> i got two things to give away today. The Morley Mortiser, if you've seen that, we'll talk a little bit more about that mm-hmm. later, as well as the, uh, the Mortis Master. So I'll talk about why I'm giving these away in the first place later on, but these things are like in a box, ready to go. Great mortising tools. We'll do a giveaway later, so just stick around, and uh, we'll do that toward the Everybody's really happy. We figured out the 1080p. <clears throat> well, look, you know, as is traditional Spagnolo style, we generally blame the technology first. Yeah. We, yeah. we don't, we don't like, accept YouTube. fault. I don't know what's going on. And then we realize afterwards that it, it was, was a like, setting oh. that he set like a year ago. It was because we switched to a new channel, so I didn't think about the defaults. Anywho, here we are. Mm-hmm. We're in HD. Uh, you know, we got to thank. Um, What's his name? Daryl? Daryl. So check this out. Oh my gosh. Daryl from... We got the better end of this deal. Dreadnought Woodshop. There you go. Check out this beautiful bowl. He has a great YouTube channel too. He does great work. This this thing is is just gorgeous. It's heavy. Really heavy. I love it. He made this amazing acorn. I got to ask him what all the species of wood are because I actually don't know. It t- and the top comes off. It's like a little, uh, little doojo. Like a little, little box. Little oh, box. Look, look at the inside there. I don't know if you guys can make that out. How's he do that? Probably magic. <laughs> I think I'm going for magic on that one. And then, of course, a beautiful ornament and a very delicate stand that immediately looks like something I want to break. So he only has four thousand, roughly, subscribers. 
people should be subscribed to, to Daryl. They should. In fact, boom, we're subscribed to him. Everyone get over there and subscribe. He, he, <laughs> he's, that's how I mobilize people. He's at Dreadnought Woodshop. Uh, and I'll put a link in the show notes and in the chat uh, so you can check out his work. He mm-hmm. just uh, makes amazing. Great turner. So I'm putting the ornament on top of the, uh, what is it? The stand. The house? The, st- the guild project stand that you made. Is that Krenov? Oh, the Krenov, Krenov display stand. Yeah, yeah, so it's on top of that, Daryl. It's beautiful. That's great. Yeah. It's beautiful. Thank you, Daryl. We really appreciate it. Uh, what else did I want to do? Oh, you know what? I did this little thing. It was the goofiest thing, but people seemed to really like it. Posted it on Instagram last night. It's this little pencil tray. And you, oh, may, you may have seen it. With that view. That's why we have this weird view for the camera today. <laughs> so I made this weird little pencil tray because I don't necessarily want like the till that comes on a lot of workbenches uh, and kind of goes the full length of the workbench. I wanted something just to hold my pencils, pens, markers, erasers, and I wanted it to be removable. <clears throat> so check that magic out. Uh, it's just simply two magnets and two magnets into the side of the bench and it hangs out right here. So if I need to clean it out, I can kind of just quickly dump everything out, get the shavings out and then put the pencils back in. I think this is actually a pretty good solution if you're like me. You want a place for this stuff to go, but you know that sometimes it's going to be in the way. You just do that. And if you want, think about it. You could put magnets in other spots on the workbench if you want different locations or you just want it on the wall out of the way. But it's you could cool. do it like this. You could do it like that. Yeah, you could do it any way you like. <laughs> and uh, I actually did a story on Instagram last night and showed how easy it also can be knocked off if you're not careful. The good thing, though, is that's not a functional corner of the workbench. I've got a garbage can over there. There's a stool there. I never go that way. I always go this way. So hopefully I'm not going to knock it over in use. Uh, so um, Big Willie in the chat. Yeah. Did a super chat. Oh, good. Billy, Big Willie's Garage. He says, how oh, do you become a member on iOS? Oh, gosh. That's what I was doing. I was looking because uh, YouTube is not consistent with, like, I think it took. It's not always the same. Like, for a long time, you couldn't do a super chat on iOS. Oh, okay. And so I just looked. I don't see an option to join the memberships from the iOS device. I tried going to the website. I also ah. tried going to the app. So it doesn't look like there's an option to join the membership. So you have to get to a computer. Sorry. That's kind of annoying. I'm sure I mean, they'll add it. It's a development thing. I yeah. get it. But you know, you want people to really take advantage of it. You yeah, got to go mobile. Yeah, mobile yeah. first, baby. Yeah. All right. Let's so. get to some questions, Nicole. I'm going to say thank you to Chris McCoy for being coming a member real quick. Okay. As you're, as you're getting ready to say. Well, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Adrian Abshire wrote in. He says, Howdy from North Alabama ended up with a Laguna 18BX bandsaw that Woodcraft just happened to have on the floor. Went there to get the 14BX. Just so happened. I, I, I scouted it out. Yeah. I made sure it was there. I love when I go to a store and things accidentally fall into my cart. <laughs> it happens all the time. Now I need to get serious with dust collection. I've run 4-inch PVC across my 20 by 24 garage and down the walls, but I need a good, great dust collector. The Rockler three-quarter horse uh, unit, I guess, is uh, just not cutting it. What do you suggest that won't break the bank? Maybe sub $500. I do want to get down to one or two micron filtering and may consider venting outside. My neighbors would love that. So I'm posting this question to you guys. If you have a suggestion, sub 500 is actually... That's a tough ask. That's a, that's a category that's a little bit tricky. You may be able to get yourself a one horsepower unit, but you know, 
attaching it to ductwork, it's going to kind of depend. And I, I don't have a lot of experience with those particular units at that price point. So it's hard for me to recommend exactly what will work. Mm -hmm. Anytime you attach it to ducting, you know, that's when the, the, the static pressure builds up. It's harder to pull the air through all that ductwork. So hopefully someone has a suggestion. Ryan Murray, right on Patreon, replied to him. He said, check out Rockler item number 57841. It's a one horsepower unit that claims one micron. It's 550 right now with $35 shipping. Huh. I was about to yell at you for pulling on my cord. I didn't pull on it anything. It was me the whole time. <laughs> okay, so that's one that Ryan is considering. So if you have a good suggestion, sub $500, but keep in mind, it's gotta be something that is gonna work on, it sounds like a fairly substantial amount of duct work. Huh. You know, you gotta pull a lot of air to get that to work. Speaking of Chris McCoy, I was just talking about Chris. Uh -huh. He said, hey guys, I have all three of Andy, I'm guessing Andy Klein's vices. Does Andy have three vices? He's got variations. I know he's got like yeah. a, two different sizes and now he's got this like pivoting mechanism. Mm -hmm. It's a whole thing. So Andy Klein, if you're not familiar, he has a YouTube channel and he is an engineer and inventor mm -hmm. uh, and woodworker. I'd like and to- And a darn nice guy, He Nicole. really is. He's, he's a neighbor. <laughs> he has to be a neighbor. <laughs> Uh, I'd like to make an assembly table and and a Rubo bench. What size vices would you put where? Since he has all three of them. Oh, I don't know. I don't really know that much <laughs> about the vices. Uh, I'm gonna put the put the bigger one in the leg vice position. Put the smaller one in the tail vice position, and then with the third one, put it on your head. Well, he said that he has a he's making an assembly table too. Yeah, but a lot of times a, you a don't need a, a vice on an assembly table. Yeah. So I, I, I want to know, I mean, I'm glad you did it because I, I like when people support Andy, but why did you buy three vices? <laughs> what are you doing, man? <laughs> what are you doing over there? Uh, okay, Jeremiah wrote in. Uh, nope, I'm sorry, I skipped uh, Joseph's question. Joseph oh, Lapolito. Joseph, don't skip Joe. I know, he's planning on building the Adirondack chair project in the guild. Doesn't have six quarter material, but eight quarter, and was thinking about making the back legs and the front apron thicker to avoid wasting material maybe one and a half inch or one and five eighths. From an aesthetic standpoint, how do you think that would look, too chunky? Well, I've got pictures of an Adirondack chair. This is the one that we have in the guild. Hey, that's our, <coughs> our chair. Looks familiar, doesn't it? In Arizona. It? So there's the two views that are relevant here. So he's talking about that front apron with the two slots in it. I think if you go thicker on there, it's not gonna make any difference. I don't think you could see it from any angle that would be substantial. So I think if you wanna use eight quarter there, uh, at whatever thickness you get to, that's fine. On the side legs, when he's talking about the rear legs, it's those angled ones that go down into the grass. That will matter. How much, I don't know. I mean, there is a, always a breaking point where things just become a little bit too clunky. And I think if you go to eight quarter, you might be at that point. But again, you know, 75% of that leg is hidden by the slats. You don't really even see it. But it, it's a good consideration to think about. And I agree with you. I, I really hate peeling off a quarter inch of a you know, really thick board if I don't need to. So in this design though, because you know it's not totally visible, I'm gonna say you're probably okay. I'm gonna say you could probably go for it. Uh, it's not really gonna change things that much, but it will look a little bit, I don't even wanna say clunky because I don't think it's even gonna be that bad. It will look a little less refined if that's gonna make sense to you. Sometimes you can make those little changes on projects like that. Uh, and it's not a huge deal just because so much of the thickness of the material is hidden. So. I just wanted to say thanks to Doug Johnson and Rob Hendrickson. Okay. For, <laughs> Hendrickson. Hendrickson. <laughs> Welcome to uh, the YouTube 
memberships. Uh, what do you call that? Because like they call Patreon, it memberships. Yeah, welcome to memberships. Yeah, welcome to welcome uh, to Welcome to uh, supporting us financially. You get to hang out with us in the uh, after show. Yeah, which is in the community tab. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. Sean Patterson had a question. <laughs> I'm looking to get into getting a fro. Fro? What? I misspelled something. A fro. What's a fro? It's a tool, like a hand tool. Oh. I've never heard. Why have I, how have I not heard There's, of a fro? I'm going to throw another word at you. Have you ever heard of scorp? Scorp? Have you ever heard of ads? No. Okay, these are all a family of like older school hand tools. Oh. For rough work. Gotcha. <clears throat> I thought he just misspelled frog or something. No, that's Cause, frog. Because I know frog is like in the plane itself. There's a frog. Yeah. Okay. You got it. Okay, anyway, he's, got, he's getting a fro for processing some logs into small boards or bowls for turning. I'm pretty frugal, i.e. cheap. Oh, frugal's good. Uh, what's the best option and what is a good enough option? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> You're asking the wrong guy. I, I, I put all that effort into reading that question. I know. I'm, that. I'm, I'm sitting here impressing my wife with my, you know, tool terminology. <laughs> But that, that doesn't mean that I know where to, to recommend you go to buy those things. A fro. Who would who would have, would Matt Cremona have a fro? Oh, he's got a fro. <laughs> he's got a big, big fro <laughs> on top of that, that little head of his. I know he does. <laughs> you know what I mean. There are, there are manufacturers and vendors out there that specialize in things like this. You might be able to find some of them at like Lee Valley. They might carry some, maybe tools for working wood. Uh, but again, this is outside of my area that I focus on. Uh -huh. So once again, we're going to lean on the chat room. If you guys have recommendations for where he can get some of that well, and he's older looking, stuff. Uh, well, and he's also looking for affordable. So You know what's affordable? If you find one that's you know full of rust at a flea market. Flea markets. A lot of times these tools, if, when, they're, when they're made now, yeah. they're made by people who are specializing it and trying to make these tools as good as they can be for a very uh, small subsection of woodworkers. And a lot of times that means that the price is not necessarily bargain friendly. <laughs> but again, anyone has recommendations on Afros. If you're not familiar, stop it. Let us know. If you're not familiar, uh, Craigslist also has the ability that you can put in a keyword alert. Uh, I don't hmm. know if Facebook Marketplace does that. But these are yeah. places, if you're looking in the used market, that's probably going to be your best bet if someone's listing that. So set up a, you know, a keyword, a fro. See if it shows up. <laughs> See if something comes up. It probably won't. It's more likely something you're going to find at like an estate sale yeah. or a yard sale that someone doesn't even know what it is. Right. They're just getting rid of a bunch of old what tools. What does it look like? <clears throat> I get them is all it... confused. Oh, okay. A lot of times these tools are very simple. There's a weird blade on them. Sometimes it's curved, sometimes straight. And then like two handles or a handle, depending on what its purpose is. Hmm. Very simply designed tools. Gazank wants to know if I've lost any pencils in my desk. I have not. In fact, I have not put anything. What am I going to do? I haven't even used the it's desk. It's in the corner. I'm trying, I'm well, trying not to. you use the desk, the drawer you have. Yeah, I haven't used the drawer. Uh -huh. I'm avoiding, because I still have my pencil um, thing that you made back in 2007-ish. So that's where I keep all my pencils and pens. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm okay, not putting so them in that drawer. Jeremiah has a question about bandsaws. He says, I'm, I'm in the market for a bandsaw, likely something in the 17-inch range. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to ask you model versus model. Instead, I want to know rather, is dropping fifteen okay dropping $1,500 on a bandsaw, is there another combination of tools, like a jigsaw and a combination sander or something else, that would provide better capabilities than the bandsaw alone could provide? Depends on what kind of work I'm doing, I know. Just thought I'd get your input. 
Well, you know, it depends on the kind of work you're doing. Um, there's a child at the door. Oh, somebody's crying. Yep, Jeez. I gotta go. For those of you who haven't been watching this show for the, the last couple of years, we do it live at our house while the kids are home, and we give them an iPad and hope that that, that handles things, and sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, so, with this bandsaw situation, I thought about it. I mean, if you're doing curved cuts, yeah, you could totally do that with a jigsaw, and then you can use an oscillating spindle sander to do the cleanup, and you can get a lot done that way. Uh, but that's only one aspect of the bandsaw. How about resawing? Well, you're certainly not going to do that with a jigsaw, right? So that's when you're bringing a, a board on end and you're kind of slicing it in half uh, along the thickness. So I, I don't know that you're going to be able to find a combination of tools, if resawing is in your future, that will do that same thing for either a better price or do it better because you're using separate tools to do it. Um, I honestly think the bandsaw, like once you really get serious about woodworking, for many people, the bandsaw is going to be a crucial tool in your collection, sometimes even more than a table saw, just kind of depending on what they do and their preferences. So um, I think if you're in the market for the bandsaw, get that bandsaw. I don't think you're going to regret it. Okay, Carl Stump. Another howdy, y'all, from North Alabama. Fresh out of my thickness planer, I've got a smooth, almost shiny surface on the wood. I then sand uh, through the grits using dust control, except for the lowest, 80. Uh, the surface then looks dull. I assume that's because the planer cut the fibers and the sandpaper abrades them. The sandpaper may also force fine dust particles into the pores. Running a vacuum over the surface doesn't change the appearance. Wiping with mineral spirits does improve it a little bit. I'm satisfied with how the wood looks after a film finish is applied. Have not tried oil wax finishes. Have you tested planed wood, sanded, unsanded, and various finishes? I haven't done extensive testing. I used to have little test boards here with this gorgeous walnut. And uh, I posted on Instagram. So if you go back, it's probably maybe a, over a year, maybe two years, back in my Instagram feed, uh, look for these little pictures of just this gorgeous little sample of walnut. And I did a couple experiments with that. I, I looked at scraping versus planing versus uh, higher grit sanding. And the thing is, in the end, yes, planing generally is going to produce a better looking surface. And then when you apply finish to it, it just looks, it just looks great. Right? If you're going to compare them side by side, you could sort of see those differences. And the way I, the way I um, sort of give you an analogy for this, it's like buying TVs. So when you're at the store and you're looking at four TVs in a row, you can kind of nitpick the little differences. You could see those little tiny variations. Take any one of those TVs and bring it home and it's going to look fantastic on your wall. You're going to love it, right? So I think it's like the same thing with the, you know, the differences that you would see between these sample boards is take them apart from one another, and now they all look fantastic. As long as it's been well sanded, well finished, and properly treated, it's going to look great. But the differences between them are pretty minute. That said, for hand tool enthusiasts who absolutely say that, you know, the hand plane surface is going to be the best surface, they're not wrong, right? It's just a matter of how much better is it? Is it worth the, the you know, whatever you're going to do to make it a hand plane surface versus a sanded surface? So, uh... Ava wanted me to tell. I wanted to tell me that uh, Mateo said stupid. Oh, what a little turd! Yeah, uh, I've had uh, a couple emails in my inbox way too long okay. that came in for the morning show. Mm. So Ron Carlson emailed me back in April. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Ron. I hope you're still watching. 
He's like, I didn't answer my question. Yeah, screw those guys. I'm out of here. <laughs> he said, I recently started making something with Jehovah. It's not so recent anymore. Uh, <laughs> it was at the time. It was at the time. We do this on Wood Talk all the time. I, I wish someone a, a happy birthday on yeah. a recent show. That uh, I think their birthday was July 1st. Yeah. So Aww. it's all good. I needed a, to use a flush trim bit. Mm -hmm. When I just started, slowly, I thought, the bit grabbed and tore out a sizable chunk. Oh, yeah. I couldn't believe it just happened. Jatoba? Jatoba? Mm -hmm. It's very hard. I had no idea why it happened. My question is, what at what speed should a router be set for working with hardwood? Thanks for your help, Ron Carlson. Okay, well, unless the flush trim bit is really like a big diameter bit, I'm usually running that at my normal full speed, right? Uh, it's the diameter that's really the issue. Now, some people may get really specific about this and vary their speed based on what wood they're using. I don't necessarily do that. I generally run my speed based on the size of the bit and also what I hear and see. Uh, a lot of times, if you run a bit at too high of a speed, the router table has a way of letting you know that, right? You could feel it, you could see it, you can hear it. Uh, a lot of times it translates to vibrations that just are no bueno. So, Jatoba is a very hard wood. That's, you kind of answered part of your question yourself. Uh, you're using one of the densest, hardest woods. So when you take a, a really hard wood, and uh, the jointer is one of those places where you can really feel the difference between a really dense species and something softer. Uh, when you're you know planing, I don't know, poplar, pine, <coughs> even cherry, walnut, things like that, uh, over, the, over the jointer, it's nice and smooth. It feels really soft. It's very, we're so professional, guys. Uh, you don't really feel as much in the way of vibration and that sort of bounce back. But you go to something like Jatoba, you go to, well, that's, I was going to say Brazilian cherry, but it's the same thing. Uh, Wenge, right? Um, some of the rosewood species, just those really dense hard woods. Teak is another good one. Uh, you kind of feel it bounce back at you. It's actually uh, a little unnerving if you've never done it before because you feel like you're going to get a bunch of chatter marks, and you probably will, uh, over the jointer. So it's that sort of response to cutting tools that makes those really dense hardwoods that much harder to work with. So in the case of a flush trim bit, when you're working with those really dense hard species, you got to be super careful. Now, you didn't tell me what kind of flush trim bit you have. They're not all created equal. So if you are using a straight bit with little straight cutters on it, two or three cutters on there, on Jatoba, well, you're always going to have a problem. It, it, you know, that it's just the, the nature of the beast. I would highly recommend you get a spiral version uh, of a flush trim or pattern bit. That spiral pattern is, you know, that sort of skew pattern. It's the same thing that we do when we skew a hand plane. It just makes it a little bit easier for it to slice through the wood. It's much more forgiving, and I think you're going to get better results. Of course, also, you should probably check how much material you're taking off. The denser, harder the species, the less you should have to take off with the bit. So if you've got a pattern and you're trying to cut back to that pattern, use your spindle sander or when you cut it at the bandsaw, uh, do that really, really close. Get as close as you can get without going over that line and then you take it to the router table. Uh, anything else just with, with something like Jatoba is just asking for trouble. So uh, bit, overhang, and keep that speed up that's appropriate for the size of the bit you're using. Okay. Jeff Berry has a question. No, oh, I've skipped. God, I'm really bad with this list. Jesus says, uh, I use hard wax oil or water-based polyurethane as a finish in most of my projects. Usually I find that sanding to 120 grit is smooth enough for me, but I go up to 180 because I'm not sure if 120 is too low for the finishes to work properly. 
Can you comment on how the final sanding grit affects the performance of the finish? Well, I think you might be thinking about it backwards, Jesus. Um, I don't think there is a grit that's too low for a finish. You know, finish generally is gonna like something that's a little bit rougher. Uh, it gives it something to grab onto. The smoother the surface is, it's a little bit harder for finishes to grab onto it, right? So uh, the reason we sand higher than 120 though is because at 120 you can kind of still see all the little swirly marks and everything from the 120 sanding. So we go higher and higher to get to a point that the swirl marks are so small and insignificant that our eye can't see them. So then you put finish on top of that. Now you can keep going, but there's a diminishing returns on how high you go. If you go to thousands of uh, grit, you know, and sand that surface, some finishes just aren't really going to like it. Uh, that burnishes the surface and prevents the finishes from absorbing. So some finishes are okay like that, some are not. Uh, a lot of film finishes do want a little bit of a tooth to grab onto. Hard wax oils, uh, specifically Rubio, you know, they want you to stop at 120. I never do. I go to 180. They're, I just can't sand a project to 120 and call it done. Unless it's something just like rough and, and quick little weekend project. Um, I think a lot of that advice comes from their experience in the floor industry. Where you can get away with a 120 grit sanding on a floor with the, the machines that they use. And the stuff will work just fine. And, you know, you're always standing. No one's really looking at the, the scratch patterns on the floor for the most part. It's not like a piece of furniture. Uh, so I do sand to 180. But again, diminishing returns, the higher you sand, some finishes are not going to like it. The lower you go, just about any finish will be okay with it. It's just a matter of, is the surface smooth enough? Does it look good enough? Does it feel good enough? Uh, and a lot of times at 120, it's just not enough. Everything okay in there? Two interruptions in one day. I had to threaten. I'm going to punish you when I come back in here when we're done. You wait till I come back, young lady. <laughs> It's on. Uh, Cody Davis did a super chat and he says, hello, I'm new to the trade. And hey, I, I've had many questions answered watching old morning shows. Oh, that's awesome. Well, we have a thing. Yeah. It's, it's in the description of all the live shows. Oh, yeah. I put it in there. The spreadsheet. Yeah. So uh, Josh Doolittle, um, nice guy. He uh, introduced us to the world of QoS. Yes, Go QoS. He made an amazing spreadsheet that is a list of topics, yeah. right? And it goes back and shows things we've talked about. It's I, all tagged. I was looking at it. It was like Mark's story, Nicole's story, it's other people's story. It's an amazing <laughs> amount of work. And I mean, we've done this show long yeah. enough that we've answered five. so many questions. We've been doing it for five some odd years. Yeah. And it doesn't just take you to the video. It takes you to the point in the video where that question yeah. is answered. So, so he actually had a question. Okay. I just know you, you mentioned <laughs> yeah, yeah. that. I just was thinking of that. My question is, are you, are the Festool blades good or would you switch to another brand? Thanks and have a few coffees on me. Thanks, so, Cody. Um, yeah. Thank you, Cody. We're talking about uh, the TS saw blades. I've always found them to be great, you know, but other companies that make blades are pretty good too. Mm -hmm. What I found, and maybe I'm wrong, I haven't looked at the, the overall market of blades for Festool saws. Uh, because they have a little bit of a, uh, it seems like an unusual arbor size compared to like a standard circular saw, a company has to actually go out and make one that specifically fits that saw. If they're going to do that, they know that this is Festool. I don't think you're going to find bargain basement blades for that tool. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It just doesn't seem like something these would be worthwhile for these companies to make. They know you just bought a really expensive track saw. So you're going to get a decent blade. So any of the other brands that I've tried that fit in the TS saws, they've been pretty darn good. But that said, I've had great luck on the uh, chop saw and on the TS saws 
using Festool stuff. But if you could find something that's a little bit more reasonably priced and has good reviews, I would recommend going for it. So Chris McCoy, McCoy said all three sizes, I should say, not all three vices. So I guess there's three sizes of his vice. Yeah, but if they're all three sizes, aren't they three separate vices? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's still three vices. That's true. <laughs> that's not that's not a sufficient rebuttal. That just that just reinforces what same, I said. It's, I think it's the same vice, just three different sizes. Right, it's all three different sizes yeah, yeah, of that, that vice. vice. <laughs> I got you. Still, I'm going to ask the question: What are you doing, man? With three vices, what are you clamping over there? Uh, Rob Hendrickson did a super chat and says, "What was the square you showed last show that had lightning? Oh no, tightening. Sorry, I need glasses. <laughs> tightening." Tightening now on the outside? Tightening knob on the outside? Maybe a knot. Tighten no, tightening. What did you show last time? I don't remember showing anything last time. What was the square you showed last show that had a tightening uh no night? I'm gonna say not. Maybe? No, knob. Knob. It's gotta be a knob. knob. Tightening knob. I don't know, Rob, but if someone can kind of refresh my memory in the chat. I'm glad to answer the question, but I don't know what you're talking about, man. Did you? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. A square. How many squares do you have? Oh, I got some squares, girl. Is that? I got that one right there. Is that a square? No, but the tight. He said the tightening knob on the outside. Oh, that's on the inside. This is just a regular. That's on um, the inside. Yeah. What do you call it? Double square. Mm -hmm. Adjustable square. Hmm. So that's that's not what we were talking about. Darn it! I wish I had an answer. We'll come we'll, back to we'll, it if we'll someone come back to says it. something. Or I'll just go watch the video from last week. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Let me know. Next time Ava comes in. <laughs> Jeff Barry has a question. He says it'll generate a lot of gasps. I'm building a shelf and I plan to paint it. Ah! Because I'm using plywood and I want it to be black. Well, it'd be a good top coat for latex paint. You know, I'm going to say what I've been using on painted projects, water-based painted projects. Now I'm using milk paint most of the time. It's just an acrylic paint. Uh, I've been using high performance from general finishes. There's, there's definitely going to be other, you know, other options out there, but sometimes you go with what works, right? There's lots of finishes. You could try different things, but if you know something's going to get the job done, you go for it. General finishes, high performance. It's water-based. It's pretty durable. Comes in, you know, satin, gloss, whatever finish you want and should not impart a bluish hue to a black surface. I've used it on black or hall tree mm -hmm. uh, has a black surface coated with that. And it doesn't, you know, this is something that used to be able to happen a lot with uh, water-based finishes on darker woods. You would see this hue, this bluish color to it. Um, and you don't really have that. And I suppose if you layered it on super, super thick, you might start to see a little weirdness, but it seems pretty good. And uh, I would have no problem using that on top of a latex. Thanks, Stumptown Woodworks for joining uh, memberships. Oh, thanks, Stumptown. Yeah. And John. Is Stumptown a place? I don't know. Like a legit name for a place? Our, our new employee joined. Oh, John. John is watching. John, you're on the payroll. What are you doing, man? You're <laughs> just, like, you're just giving us money my, so, so I can give it right back to him? How does that work? It's like, it's like when my mom buys this stuff. I know. Just kidding, Mom. John. I love you. Oh, my thank mom, you, John. Let me tell you something about my mom. Yeah. My mom sent me three... Gorgeous Jersey tomatoes. Four. Four. Uh, well, that's right. I ate, you the, ate, I ate you, the first one right you away. You like devoured it. I'm like, that's not so good. She it's like sent a me hard. this little box. I'm like, what the heck is this? And I open it up, and there are these four gorgeous Jersey tomatoes staring me back in the face. And I still, I had to wait for a few to ripen, so I'm actually going to be cutting into some of those today. Mm -hmm. Awesome stuff. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Who's next? Ryan Murray. 
He says, I've noticed most DIY router dado jigs on YouTube copy yours. I don't know about that. Uh, from nine years ago. Have you seen Woodpecker's new one that they're making? Uh, looks like a high-tech version of yours. Where'd you originally get the inspiration for yours? Okay, so I think my inspiration, it's a little hard to trace back that far, probably came from a combination of things. Number one, um, I was reading some Tay Frid stuff, and I don't know if he had the flattening jig in there, but I know I utilized his method for determining a flat plane on a workbench in preparation for flattening. And I'm pretty sure it was Tay Frid's book that had something, I'm almost positive that it had a router jig like that. Um, but at the time, a lot of people was kind of just, it was the buzz of the forums, you guys. Uh, and I think people were just talking about this method for, for doing flattening. So it's not like it was my original idea. Uh, it was something that I learned from someone else. And it's so, it's so interesting the way this works on YouTube. And I talk about it all the time where like Cremona invented the slab, right? I invented the cutting board. Um, I found out recently, you guys may not know this, but Ramon Valdez, yeah. good good dude, invented magnets. I had no idea, but it was just it just came to my attention. So it's weird how the internet's memory doesn't always go back yeah. to, you know, beyond past, 2006. Past the internet. Yeah. yeah. So when I, like if people were, if anyone saw my original videos on the flattening jig and were inspired by that, that's fine. But I wasn't even the first person to do that. Certainly not my original idea. Someone taught it to me. Who taught it to them? I don't know. But Who you, taught it to you? Uh, that's what I just said, Tay Frid. Oh, Tay Frid. Oh, yeah. I wasn't listening. And also some, who knows, some, some, uh, some dude in a forum who was talking about a jig that he just made. So it's, it's, it kind of sucks that we lose mm. a lot of that history, right? And things will only go back to the like visual archive memory. Well, that's how music is too, in a way. Like yeah, new generations, new generations. Don't, don't always go back far to find yeah. out where, or even if it's like a um, what do they call it when they they capture a clip from something sample. Yeah, they sample a clip and they put it into something new, and then like the our kids, for instance, yeah. would, would have something in a, a song they were like, you even know what the original is? Yeah, and then you go and show them, you make them listen to Black Betty, right? <laughs> Because it was in Rayman. It was in Rayman. And, and now suddenly Mateo's favorite song is Black Betty. And that's the most random <laughs> thing. But he mm. loves that song. <laughs> I, I did refrain from playing the Howard Stern version yeah, of Black Betty. Yeah, we probably shouldn't play that Maybe I'll, I'll give him a few more years on that one. <laughs> oh my okay. gosh. I have, uh, I have more. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> I lost what I, my train of thought. You made me laugh. It's okay. I got another one. It's I quick. want to say thanks to Horace uh, Rapper for signing up for memberships. Nice. Uh, Joe Gonzalez is in the market for a CNC and he wants to know how you're liking the Powermatic. Powermatic's pretty good. I have no I'll basis say, of yeah. comparison, guys, yeah, you, so I'm not a good it's person. It's working. Yeah, I'm not a good person to tell you compared to something else. It's not the cheapest solution out there, um, but it is, it's very similar to the Axiom machines, uh, but with a few upgrades and I don't really have a whole lot of comparison. It is capable of doing much, much more than I'm capable of doing with it, if that makes sense. I'm still learning, and it definitely does everything I, I need it to do. Uh, it's a nice system, for sure. Okay, plan D, woodworks. Dan says, I recently completed a couple of refinishing projects, and I've got a couple questions. One, has anyone ever made a profit on a refinishing job? And number two, why are they lying? <laughs> I used to do a lot of refinishing, Dan, and, uh, and I didn't enjoy it. I kind of hated it. But honestly, for me, back in Arizona, when I first started my woodworking business, refinishing jobs were the only reason I could make money and mm -hmm. say, here, Nicole, here's a couple of bucks to help with the mortgage this month. Yeah. 
It wasn't the custom work. I wasn't getting enough custom jobs, but I was able to get a lot of people who had old furniture that wanted that old dark finish stripped off and just wanted something new applied to it. Um, the reason it was profitable for me was because it was just pure labor. There were no materials. There was no real planning. There wasn't as much back and forth between you and the customer. It's basically finishing and then a little bit of work up front to prep for finishing, right? So depending on the kind of refinishing jobs you're doing, how maybe how intense that, that finish is to get off of the surface or how many details are on it, that's where things really slow you down. So maybe I just got lucky and I had a lot of stuff that was pretty easy to, to refinish. But man, refinishing was the only reason I could run a business back then. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Chicken butt. Uh, Kevin Windsor reminded me about eBay. Why didn't I think about eBay? He said there's a bunch of froze on eBay, yeah. and there is, and they're like 20 bucks. That's where all the froze hang out. <laughs> so check out you eBay. Yeah. how weird it is? Like yeah. there's a lot of those old school tools are just very odd looking. They, yeah. It, it, it seems like something that would be a decoration yeah. in, in your shop. Okay, so when you ask me what it does, this is the thing. I don't, I don't deal with logs. I don't know what these things do, but now it pro- that it I see sh- it. Does it shave the... Mm-hmm. It's for splitting. Oh, it's for splitting. So you kind of like how you, you start a crack, you put a wedge in it, yeah. smack a hammer, and it splits along the grain. So the fro is something where you're, you're probably smacking it right. with a mallet or something in the back. Gotcha. To, uh, you know, to break it along the grain. Wow, this one's 125 bucks, but this one's 25 What's the difference? I don't know. Well, some of them are, uh, you know, have a better history. Probably. Some of them are better made. Yeah. Some could be an antique. Uh, some are refinished or, vintage. you know, they're sort of re, um, they I take love, all the rust off, all I love that, that stuff. vintage is just another word for old. It can be. I At am, least the way I, I use it. I am vintage. We are a vintage woodworking <laughs> channel, Nicole. Yes, we are. I love okay, it. Okay, Mike Davies. He, okay, I don't have an answer to this one either. I'm, I'm going to defer to the chat room. Mike Davies wants to know, uh, he says, you've done a lot of order fulfillment, but not sure how much shipping you've done of finished woodworking projects. Do you have a recommendation on packing material? Bubble wrap, crumpled up newspapers, like when you wrap dishes for moving, packing peanuts, poured around the item, uh, thinking about adding turn bowls to my list of available items on my Etsy store, but worried about making them through the mail. So Daryl sent us... Well, Daryl's bowl made it through the yeah, mail. Yeah, and he packed it nice. He had like it was, was paper. It paper and, and then have, um, bubbles? Bubble, bubble wrap with, the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with this and with the ornament. And mm-hmm. it came and it was... Nice. I think you should go to Carmona's house yeah. and use his foam thingy. Uh, the only, He's got a little spray foam deal. Oh, does he? Oh, yeah, that's right. He does. The custom foam sprayer. Yeah. Um, the only time we've ever shipped furniture was when my mom lived in Missouri and you made her... That was a mistake. That pine, like, half bookcase. Mm-hmm. And we shipped it. And <laughs> we shipped it UPS. And you had just gotten a new jointer. And it was like that big, thick foam that we repurposed with it. Okay. So it was a very... Oh, yeah, it was well-packed. It was really well-packed, but they still managed to break it. Yeah, they dropped it, and it broke the molding off of it. So when I came out to visit, I had to kind of try to quickly fix this thing for her. Yeah, that was... And from that point on, Mark's like, I'm never shipping anything. But if if you talk to someone like David Marks, he will spend so much time on his crating. He makes a project of the crate. Yes, yeah. So he uses a That's kind a of what you have service. to do. That's what you have to do. And the problem is, you know, the way I looked at it, it was like, I spent so much time, you know, love and attention to detail to make this thing only for this one variable that I have no control over to completely ruin my project. It, I was like, this is not good. I, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to start teaching people how to do woodworking instead. I'm loud. That sounds Tommaso said I'm loud. Well, you're just louder than you usually <laughs> Sorry. are. Sorry. <laughs> you're very excited. 
Uh, okay. My last see. question is from Jack. Good. Uh, Jack wears an apron when in the shop, makes full use of the pockets. I carry it around. My issue, though, is that sometimes I have to bend over. Um, when I do bend over, things start tumbling out of my pockets. It happens especially with my tiny triangular square and anything that doesn't fit snugly into the single slot. Any tips to keep my things from abandoning post? I've got a Calavera and a Cat's Moses, as well as a plain cloth apron. Uh, and it happens with all of them. Today's the day of asking people in the chat room for advice, because mm -hmm. I don't really, I mean... What about flaps? Yeah, but if they don't already have them, he uh, would have to put the flaps on there. I so The, the, the problem you. is, you put too much crap in your apron, crap's going to fall out of your apron, yeah. right? And that's why, like, if... if when I have my Calavera apron on, the most I'm going to have in those top slots is maybe a pencil. pencil. I might have like a flat ruler or something like that. So I'd have to I'd have to actually go almost upside down for that kind of stuff to fall out. If you're putting, you know, heavier materials, things that actually could get a little momentum mm -hmm. and pop out, that's a different a different way of using an apron than than I use one. So um, any suggestions anybody has that might be helpful, you know, you might look into possibly putting in magnets or something, right? So if you know We're something- We're back to magnets. Well, you know, Ramon invented these things. We should probably use them. You used them on your- uh... It's on the brain. But imagine if you have a, a, a ruler, right? And you're trying to get that thing to stay in the pocket. If you could sew in or embed a magnet in the back, that may hold it in place. I don't know if it's gonna work if your square is aluminum, I don't know. Uh, but depending on what it is, maybe a magnet. For me, if it doesn't have a clip on it or if it isn't friction fit into the pocket, I'm probably not going to put it in my pocket just don't, because I don't want it to fall out. Don't put it in your pocket. Just don't do it. Just don't do That's it. That's my simple solution. Uh, two things. Use. Uh, Tommaso wanted to know why you didn't use like a French cleat instead of magnets on your little pencil hole. Because it's dumb, Tommaso. Oh, no. You could use a French cleat, but a French cleat is going to be potentially problematic too. A French cleat is good until you go, oops, and you push uh -huh. up on it or you slide it off the side, right? Mm -hmm. A magnet, I can just kind of blindly pop that thing on and off. Blindly knock it off with my I can blindly knock it off. Now, if you do a French cleat, maybe in conjunction with a magnet, I might be able to get behind that, mm -hmm. you know, because now the most common thing that's gonna happen is pressure down. down. So the French cleat would avoid that. Um, you could also put dowels, just a couple of dowels poking through would make a huge difference in, in how well that thing stays on and, and resists being bumped out of its position. I have a little bit of delay on the the square. So people are saying the small star it, the David Mark square. Does do you have a David Mark square? No. So it's star star it combination. Hold on. Do you have another question? Uh, I always have more questions. Um, Hold on. This one. Ah. Uh, Guys, who makes this? The the problem that I have with this is the person who makes it while I love the tool, does a terrible job of, you know, putting a maker's mark on there oh, that's, no. that's legible. So I can never remember who makes this square. But there's got to be somebody in the chat. It, it is a, a small tool manufacturer. Uh, might just be like what's a one-guy shop. What's the marker on it? It's like... W-A-P-P-T. W-A-P-P-T. So this is what we're talking about. Just a simple brass square. And I, once I see it, I'll recognize it, but I can never remember the guy's name. W, W. Ve is it Vesper? Ves no, is it Vesper Tools? Oh no, it may w not, I don't think it's Vesper. P -P -T. But it's one of those really small uh, boutique makers. Mm. Come on, you it guys. Doesn't, it doesn't come up. I know you guys have it. That's weird. Yeah, that's a shame. 
We'll, we'll um, get you the information one way or another. If I could have about five minutes to do a couple Google searches, <laughs> I would find it. Just remember who asked the question. Yeah. And we'll get the info to you. Uh, let's that's see. why when they said the David Marks one, that's what I remember. Cause I remember seeing David Marks use this in his show. And I was like, I want that. Oh, gotcha. So gotcha, that's when gotcha. I, I, I got it. You got it. Yeah, it's, not, you, it's not Chris Vesper. Thank you, Joe Shaw for becoming a YouTube member. Um, Dave Curta was asking about the Krenoff and I sent him the link to the guild project. It's actually a guild build okay. that Mark did uh, a few years ago. It's a, I love it. I, I dress it up every during the holidays. Yeah. You know who would know? Um, Shannon would know. Shannon probably would know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm out of questions okay. here. I have plenty of but questions. But we still have to do our giveaways. Oh, okay. we got to pick two wieners, Nicole. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Anthony wants to know if you have any advice on grain orientation for building a Scandinavian shoulder vise i.e. The, the grain should be perpendicular or parallel to the rest of the bench. Scandinavian... No, is the answer. ...shoulder vice. <laughs> Guys, there's so many things in woodworking, it's hard to know all of them. Yeah. You're pretty close. Okay. So you're talking about the, the, the part on the back that holds the screw? Where's the question? Show me the question. right here. Uh, should the grain be perpendicular or parallel to the rest of the bench? Uh, I, my instinct, just looking at what I'm looking at, looks like it should be, well, it depends on where you're putting it. If it's a shoulder vise and it's on the end, then I would put that piece, um, perpendicular to the bench, like, like you would with an end cap. Um, but if you're putting it on the same side or the long end of your bench, then it's going to go with the grain. Tomasa <clears throat> made me laugh. He said, David Marks invented you. That's true. That is true. <laughs> that is true. See, but there's truth to that. Yeah, yeah. David Marks and uh, Norm. <laughs> it's right. Uh, Cody wants to know if you have any vid a video about stripping off old finish and applying new finish. Yeah. Do we? There was the refinishing series. The, the DIY. DIY refinishing, probably episode three. four, three, something. Yeah. Early, early, early. Yeah. The and uh, enjoy that 480p, baby. Or you could watch it on Amazon Prime. It's better <clears throat> resolution on Amazon than on YouTube. Um, but yeah, all of our old videos are on Amazon Prime. So if you have a, like a fire stick, you say, yeah. the wood whisperer. Got more questions for me? Uh, always. In fact, wait, 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 wait there. William Nelson, question regarding oil solvent finishes. Is there any concern that a solvent would dissolve glue? For example, linseed oil plus turpentine on a glued up panel. Why would you put turpentine? Yeah, turpentine can be used as a thinner. Okay. Oil based finishes. It just turpentine stinks. Turpentine and Fallout 76 for my stuff. I've never worried about that. I mean, usually once the glue is cured, it's really not going, especially because the amount of exposure it actually has to the oil is just at that very top surface. So even if it was a little bit reactive in some way, <clears throat> um, but I, I honestly don't think I've ever given that a second thought. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We've got a couple questions that came in late on Patreon. Shane Myers, have you ever tried CRC336 for protecting your cast iron surfaces in the shop? If mm -hmm. so, is there a noticeable improvement? No, he hasn't. He uses, you use Renaissance wax. I use Renaissance wax or whatever furniture wax I have on hand. Here's a good thing with where I live, rust just isn't much of a problem. In Denver 
and Arizona, two places where I've done my, the lion's share of my woodworking, it's just not humid. It's so dry. And once in a while, if we get a humid spell, I do have to be careful because my stuff is not as well protected as it could be. Um, but most of the time, I don't have to worry about it. Uh, I got T9 Bow Shield if I'm really got a wild hair. Oh, yeah, they gave us, they were a sponsor of Woodworkers Fighting Cancer last year, too. Mm-hmm. So I've got, yeah, if I get a wild hair and I really feel like I need to do that, I've got T9 Bow Shield. Um, but I don't really have to think that much about it, luckily. Lucky what for you me. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? Okay, let's do the giveaways. Let's do a giveaway! All right, so... Oh, I just want to say thank you to Brett Brett Maples for signing up for YouTube memberships. Okay. So the first thing I'm going to show you guys is... Um, oh, man, I didn't pull the pictures into the program. Oh, you're lame. All right, so the Morley Mortiser... Yes. Is, by, uh, ...is made by Philip Morley. This is a flat-packed box. It's ready to go. You're going to have to follow the instructions to assemble it. Uh, but the flat pack makes it nice and easy Did to ship. Did you send me the link so I could put it in the chat? No. No? Why would I Just Google it. It's MorleyMortiser.com. Okay. So, Philip and, uh, and who, what's the guy's name that he works with? Who is it? Ramon. <laughs> Ramon. Oh, wait, here it is. No, Paul. Paul Gustafsson. So, they kind of partnered together to make these these jigs. It's an excellent jig. Great way to make mortises, tenons. You could do all kinds of things with it. Watch the videos that Philip has. You'll get an idea. It's definitely like a one-stop shop for mortising. Uh, great little unit. Why am I giving it to someone else? For the same reason why I don't have a multi-router anymore, why I don't have the Panta router. Um, these are tools that I don't often have an opportunity to use just because of the type of teaching that I do. And if I am going to go into a quick joinery solution, I'm going to use the Domino. And as much as I love these mortising devices, we should probably it's ask, hard to beat. We should have asked John if he wanted any of this stuff, too. Yeah, that's a, that's a good thing for us <laughs> to talk about right now, Nicole. As you're ready to get nice away. Nice job. Um, so, yeah, the Morley Mortiser, whoever wants this, you have to type Wait, into the chat room. U.S. We can only, we're paying for shipping. And yeah, it we can't do way, international. It's too heavy. And, and this is just an informal little giveaway. Yes. Not a big deal. But in order to let us know you want it, we'll pick the winner. For the person who types in fake accent. <laughs> fake accent. <laughs> Do you know Philip gets accused of having a fake accent? Really? Yeah. He doesn't, though. No, he doesn't. He's, he's from England and Do moved you, to Texas, yeah. and his, his accent has, has kind of, like, like morphed. Yeah. Kind it, of like your brother's has morphed, yeah. since he lives in uh, London. He's gone from Jersey to, to London. London. So, yeah. So anyway, fake accent, type that in the chat room and uh, we'll pick a winner from that. And the other one, very similar, kind of, you know, similar concept. Uh, oh my God. A, should we, uh, well, I want to let that go for yeah, a little bit we'll, and you we'll can pick. It, yeah, we'll so the other go. one is called the Mortis Master. This was sent to me by Don Browning. You guys may have seen, um, uh, Jay Bates did a video on this because he got one too. It's a great little device. It's a great way to make mortises. And again, same sort of thing. I've got it in a box, ready to go. And it was so kind of Don to send me one, no obligation at all. But it's just not the kind of thing that I could use on the show. It, it doesn't really, you know, so it just kind of sits there hoping one day maybe I'll review it. I'd rather it be in someone else's shop. So, uh, Don, thank you so much. But mortismaster.com is the website if you're interested in that. Okay. Mortis, Mortis Master. Mortismaster.com is where you can go for that. And if you, uh, if you want the Mortis Master, the word to type in the chat room is wiener. 
Nicole. It is Wiener. <laughs> Terrible. So type Wiener in the I chat room. I can't spell Mortis. <clears throat> M-O-R. M-O-R. T-I-S-E. So we're going to let a, a couple seconds go by. I'll put a link for Mortis Master in the chat. Let's, as well. let's pick Not our that winner. it matters because it's going to be flooded. Let's pick our Thanks. winner from the um, fake accent people. All right. All right. Let me see what we got here. We've got some more. <laughs> it's like wiener and fake accent. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> all right. Uh, how about let's give it to Jeff Carter. Jeff Carter. Jeff Carter. <laughs> That's great, isn't it? Yes. Jeff Carter, <laughs> you get the Morley Mortiser. Morley Mortiser. Uh, you need to email me at Nicole at the Wood Whisperer. What's his name? Jeff? Jeff Carter. Carter. Okay. Good, good. We got a winner there. Nicole Congratulations, Jeff. at the Wood Whisperer. I'm typing love... it so um, so you can email me. I love that's the only away. way you're going to get it. Okay. And let's pick and the next one, and then see. we'll close out the we, show. Do we have wieners? There's, we have plenty of wieners in this chat room, Nicole. <laughs> Look, you've never had such a choice of fine wieners to pick from. Oh, no. Do, do not do that, dude. Um, let's see. How about... <laughs> how about... I like how he says wiener. Wiener. There's not even an N in there. <laughs> Technically, Adrian uh, didn't even say the, the right thing. Yeah. Adrian Mahab... Uh, I don't Ma know. Mahabir. Mahabir. Adrian. Mahabir. Again. I'm going to say Mahabir. Congrats, Adrian. You should send me your address and I'll get this shipped out to you. A-B-I-R. So, hey, congrats to the winners. It's great to get some of this stuff out of my shop. Yeah. It just sits over there, and I feel so bad because it's just collect, literally oh, collecting dust. Literally, and I put literally. the Mortis Master. So if you didn't win, check out those websites if, if, they, if the product interests you. And look, both um, of these things are made by small individual maker people who, like, they just needed a better solution, uh -huh. and they figured out a way to do it, right? And when you're buying this stuff from them, you're really supporting a very, very small business. Uh, so it's, it's a good thing to support when you can. Okay? Do we have anything else we need to do? My dear. What do we got to do? I'm sure I missed a few things. But... Look at all those wieners. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, somebody just thumbed down because they didn't win. Oh, I got five thumbs down. We're sorry. We it's okay. Know. Don't be bitter. There's That's always right. next time. Yeah, we give I've away stuff some, all the time. Uh, I've got some Maverick abrasive sandpaper. Yeah. We'll give that away next week. There we go. Okay. Sausage party. <laughs> 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 all right so we're gonna we're gonna head over if yeah. you are a youtube member you have access to the after show in the community tab yeah um it, you find the community tab from from our homepage on youtube and you just click the community tab and it's right there mm -hmm. uh if you're on patreon we also have a patreon post and i'm going to link that in the chat room so it, we'll see you over there yeah we'll see you in the after show more casual Talk. Someone just gave me the title for the show. What? Fake accents and wieners. <laughs> I thought the show was going to be Let's Ask the Chat Room. No, we've done that before. Have we? Like the Mark Doesn't Know uh, show. Yeah. <laughs> like times when I have no idea any of the answers. Okay, thank you for watching, everybody. Have a great weekend. And by the way, just a heads up, since you're already on YouTube, stick around because after we're finished with the after show, I have a video to publish. And it's not just any video. Oh. It's like 20 plus minutes. What? And it's part one of a four-part series on building Nicole's desk. It's a cool desk. So this is a little bit more of a return to older methods of publication. Remember that time I think you guys might where like? you had a 12-part series? <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, those were the days. Those days are over, Nicole. Yeah. But I will do a four-parter, uh, and I think you guys are really going to like it. So awesome. I'll do a premiere. I'll be there in the chat room chatting it up with you guys. Hey, Todd. Thanks for being a YouTube member. Yeah, thanks, Todd. Okay, <laughs> have, a, have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.